This weekend is a celebration weekend for me. Uh, so yesterday I turned uh, the good young age of 40 years old. And uh, yeah, I know, exactly right. You know, all the over 40s, suddenly I become legitimate in their eyes, you know. And uh, I know some of you, you've just gone through the waters of uh, passing through to 40, and uh, you say, it's great on the other side. So, reach the top of the hill, and now what? I'm over the hill, and it's like downhill all the way. Uh, that's uh, what uh, we used to think when people would turn 40. But I actually think it's like super young. I still feel really young. Uh, I asked my son yesterday, well, my son asked me, Dad, so how old are you again? And I said, uh, 40. He was like, wow. That's old, like this. And I remember when my dad turned 40, you used to think he, he was like, that's it. Like, my dad's only got a few like, years left of his life because he's like, he's so old. And now I feel it's so young. So, but I'm happy to turn 40. But yesterday I turned 40. Tomorrow is my 14th wedding anniversary. So it's a, it's a big celebration weekend. And, you know, so that, that, those are big things, you know, birthdays and wedding anniversaries. But today is the real celebration. Today is the day for me, like, you know, on Facebook, everyone's like, happy birthday yesterday, you know, you'll get people who remember your wedding anniversary, like, oh, happy wedding anniversary, and hopefully my wife remembers my wedding anniversary, you know, and, uh, but today for me is the real special day, because on August 11th, 1987, I was sitting in a, at a kid's camp listening to someone talk about Jesus. And I remember at the end of that talk, this feeling came over me that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And that there is something desperately wrong with my life and I need Jesus in my life. I understood in that moment that for me to be able to live this life, I could not do it without Jesus. So that night, uh, I pray what we call the sinner's prayer, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night. Uh, incidentally, it was uh, kind of strange, but at that very moment when I prayed for Jesus to come and make him, himself uh, resident in my life, at that moment at eight years old, uh, suddenly I was praying, and I found myself, and some of you might find this weird if you're not that kind of from this kind of background, but uh, I found myself speaking in a language that I'd never learned before. No, I didn't have some crazy evangelist with crazy hair praying over me. It was just I had this moment and suddenly I started speaking in a language that I'd never learned before at the same time. And it was this amazing experience. What I had heard it before people do that and it seemed so weird. But when it happened to me, it seemed so natural. And it was this natural moment. Uh, and, and so then for the next, for, for the last 32 years, I've now been on this spiritual journey where I've called Jesus Savior, and along that journey, I suddenly realize he's not just Savior, but he's Lord as well. Because when I came to Jesus at eight years old, I wasn't really ready to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. I just knew I needed a Savior. But I've come to realize that he is much more than a Savior. He is Lord as well. And so today is my 32nd birthday of being what the Bible calls born again of the Spirit of God. Jesus talks in John about being born again of the Spirit of God. And so today is my 32nd birthday. So I'm claiming 32, not 40, right? 
claiming 32. I feel 32 today. So in my 32 years on this spiritual journey, following Jesus, I've seen a lot. I've prayed a lot. I've actually matured a lot as well. The more you walk on this spiritual journey, the more you realize your need for Jesus in your life. The more you realize you don't know as much as what you thought you once thought you knew, right? And you start to realize what you used to think was incredibly important actually isn't as important. And what you didn't think was important actually is important. So what I wanted to do to, want to, to do today, I just want to share some lessons that I've learned in these 32 years of this spiritual journey. Uh, and these aren't all the lessons I've learned because we would be here till next week if that was the case. Because I've learned a lot of good lessons and a lot of bad lessons through those 32 years. But I just want to share with you four lessons that I've learned that I think can help you on your spiritual journey. And, and, and so take it for someone who's been on this journey long enough to realize it, it, it's real, that Jesus is real. It's not just a fad. It's not something you get excited about. It, it, it's not something that people just follow who are a little cuckoo. No, it's real. And so on these 32 years, this is what I want to share with you. And the first thing I want to share with you, the first lesson is this, is that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is not the president. Jesus is not a CEO. Jesus is not a senator. Jesus is not a dictator. Jesus is not an elected official. He does not answer to his constituents in the hope that he gets re-elected. For everything is about Jesus, for Jesus is king, and everything is about Jesus, and everything is for Jesus. It took me a long time to understand this truth. For I knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, because I remember the day I prayed that sinner's prayer, Lord, come and be my Lord and Savior. I knew about Jesus being Lord and Savior. I knew him about being king. We used to sing songs back in the 80s about Jesus being the king. I won't share those songs with you because they were terrible. And 80s worship music, just Google it, right? But this is what I started to, or on my beginning of my journey. I thought my relationship with Jesus was a, one of negotiating with Jesus. If I did good, then Jesus would do good for me. If I prayed the right way, then Jesus would answer my prayer. If I showed enough faith, then Jesus would be more powerful in my life. Negotiating with Jesus. But what took me a long time to figure out was that Jesus is king and he is all powerful despite me not because of me. Jesus is king and all-powerful despite me, not because of me. I used to think, well, Jesus is more powerful if I pray the right way. Or, or, or Jesus will come in, a, in my life in greater ways if I just live the right way because of me. But no, Jesus is king and Jesus is all-powerful despite me not because of me. His power is unlimited and his ways are always just. 
The Bible talks about God being a just God. And, and this is what I've, I've done so many times throughout my walk of faith. Like, God, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem just. Like, God, what are you doing? Like I'm negotiating with God, but then I realize, no, Jesus is king. And what the king says is always right and always just because he is the king. Even though at times it doesn't feel like it's right. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verses 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy, and he says this, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, who is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him, no human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will, all honor and power to him forever. Amen. See, what Paul is saying here is God is king of all. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is more magnificent than you could ever imagine. And when we submit to the fact that this life isn't about me, it has to be all about him. And this is the problem. What I found in my early years of walking with Jesus, I thought it was all about me. I thought the world centered around me and God was at my beckoning call. And my life and this life of faith was about God raising up me so I can be this wonderful human being. But what I've discovered is this. It's not about me. It's actually about him. And some of you, if you're new to the faith or maybe you haven't even crossed that line to make a faith in Jesus Christ, you may think, well, that doesn't sound very good. You know, when it's all about him, it's not about me. But this is what I've discovered. When we submit to the fact that this life isn't about me, but it's all about him, there is a freedom that comes that is quite literally liberating. And if he is the king, then we get to live in his kingdom. And if we live in his kingdom, the Bible says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom shall know no end. His kingdom is full of blessings and wonderful things. See, I used to question Jesus a lot. But now I have found peace in just accepting Jesus. And so many people, they, 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 they struggle with their faith because they are constantly questioning Jesus. Like, why are you making this decision? Why are you doing this? Why, why is this going on? But what I've discovered as I've matured in my faith is stop questioning Jesus. Just live in peace accepting Jesus, for he is king. We're not his constituents. That he has to worry about us re-electing him in, but we are his subjects created for his glory. And there is something liberating about that. So the first lesson I want you to understand today, and you probably know it, but, but it's taken 32 years to live this out and realize it, that Jesus is king. The second lesson I want you to understand that I have learned over these 32 years of this journey of faith is this. I want to be in control, but I'm not. I want to be in control, but I'm not. I'm not a controlling kind of person. I'm not a control freak at all, except when it comes to driving. When it comes to driving, I want to be driving. 
I don't want anyone else driving at all. So this week, we took a little trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. Raquel had kind of surprised me for my birthday and taken me down to some resorts so I can play some golf and have, have a good time. So Wednesday, she picked me up from my office, and uh, she was in the driver's seat. I was in the passenger seat. And I had some work to continue as we, we made our journey. And if you remember Wednesday, Wednesday, there was like all these storms that came in, and the weather was terrible. Uh, and, and, and we left uh, around about like 3.45, and so that meant we were going to hit Baltimore traffic and D.C. traffic, and it was going to take forever and an age to get there. What Normally, it takes, what, four hours, something like that, to get to Williamsburg. Some of you probably like three hours, but, uh, but, but it, it took five hours altogether because it was just the traffic was crazy. Well... So I'm working, and I'm looking down as I'm working. I'm on my phone, and, uh, and, and, and the more we drive, the more traffic we get into. And, and Raquel is, is not very sensitive when it comes to the, the pedal and the accelerator. She doesn't have much patience, and uh, so she's weaving in and out of traffic all the time. Like me, I'll just stay in the lane because I've discovered in my 40 years of life that the lane that you get in is just going to go as quick as any other lane, you know, it just stay in that lane and just keep going because the more you move around, you find all the other people flying past you because you can't get back in. So, but she's one of those that move in and out and we're probably about 45 minutes into the journey and I'm just like, I don't feel well. I feel sick. I'm like, I'm not doing good. Like I had to sit back, close my eyes for a moment. And then she's like, well, do you need some food? I'm like, I don't need food. I'm like, I know what I need, but I'm not going to say to you what I need. And uh, so so I, I'm sitting there and I'm like feeling sick. Then she's trying to give me something to drink. I'm like, I'm just not doing good. I'm not doing good at all. And, and, and I'm just feeling sick. You know, when you feel that, oh, I think I'm going to puke at some point, you know, I didn't puke. So that, that's a good thing. But uh, so, so we, we get through Baltimore, and, uh, and, and she's relying on me being the navigator, even though the GPS is right in front of her. She's like, is this the road? I'm like, does the GPS say it's the road, you know? You know, you, you, you know the married couple thing, right? And uh, so we get through Baltimore, we get through D.C., and then if you ever go through Virginia, you know Virginia is just a parking lot. And so we're going through there. Finally, about two hours and 20 minutes into it, maybe two and a half hours, she's hungry, she wants to eat. So we stop off at Woodbridge, Virginia, and they go to Panera Bread, get something to eat. And I get back to the car first, and I get in the driver's seat. I'm like, I'm driving the rest of the way. And it's amazing. Within 10 minutes of being in the driver's seat with that steaming wheel between my hands, I felt great. I felt a million bucks. I didn't feel sick anymore. I, 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 I felt in control. I knew where we were going. I knew which lane to stay in. I, I, I could follow the GPS. And it was just great. And I felt wonderful. And we got there, and we got there late because the traffic was crazy. But I felt good because I was in control. And I don't know about you, but this is a life lesson for me. Because I've discovered in my life that I don't like other people being in control of my life. Now, some of you, you may think, well, that's wonderful. I love people driving me around. I love not having to, 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 to worry about the traffic. I just sit back and relax. And the thought of it is very nice, I guarantee. 
But ultimately, I've discovered I want to be at the wheel. Carrie Underwood sang a song when she first came out of American Idol, Jesus, take the wheel. And we all want Jesus to take the wheel in theory. But the reality is we don't really like it when Jesus takes the wheel. We really want to take the wheel. Because when Jesus takes the wheel, that means Jesus is in control. Jesus is the one who's directing us. Jesus is the one navigating us. And we don't have any say in where we're going. And I've discovered that I want to be in control and I don't like it when God is in control. But ultimately, he is the one who plots my course and he is the one who takes me there. Proverbs 16, 19 says this, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 19.21 tells us, you can make your plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And I've prayed so many times. I don't know about you. I've prayed so many times, God, take control of this situation. God, take control of my life. Take control of my family. Take, Take control of my finances. Take control of my career, my future. Take control of the church. And I pray it, but then I suddenly think, oh, I don't really want God to be in control because I want to be in control. See, I don't like it because I want control of the map. I want control of the GPS. I want control of the steering wheel. Because I want to be prepared for whatever comes along. What I love about modern GPS is it will tell you if there's a crash ahead. Like, who uses Waze? Anyone use Waze? Yeah, I love Waze. Waze is great. Even my son loves Waze. Like, constantly, he's like, Dad, there's a car on the shoulder ahead, you know? He's like, accident ahead, police ahead. I'm like, thanks, son. I can hear it for myself, you know? But I love it because it tells you what is ahead. So as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, I know to slow down because there's a police officer ahead. Or I know to take a different route because there's a traffic jam ahead. And I love that kind of stuff because I'm in control. I get to see it. However, this is what I know. I'm not really in control. Jesus is in control. The path I plot, while it has good intentions, always ends in pain. And very often leads down a dead end. One of my favorite episodes of The Office. If you ever you ever watch The Office, so 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 Michael is driving. He's and he's with the GPS. And he's like, trust the GPS, trust the GPS. And he's like, no, that's not a turning. And he trusts the GPS, and he ends up in a lake. And that's my life, because I'm not trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in my own way. But this is what I know: God's path always leads to life, freedom, liberty, joy, peace, hope, and love. And I always find I get to the destination much more smoothly than if I had been in control. Why? Because Jesus is king. I want to be in control, but I'm not because Jesus is king. The third lesson I want to share with you today is this. Life will become overwhelming, but Jesus helps you breathe. Life will become overwhelming, but Jesus helps you breathe. Let let me tell you something, because some people think when I come to Jesus, life is going to be great. No, life has its ups and downs. There are times when life is tranquil and peaceful. There is time when life is overwhelming, whether you follow Jesus or not. Life will become overwhelming, but this is what I know Jesus will do. He will help you breathe. 
So while we were away this, uh, this, this week, the place that we, we went to was this beautiful place. And uh, it had a, a place called the River Pool. And there was the, the pool and then they had like a lazy river. And uh, then they had like a little slide for kids, like a water slide for kids. And, you know, it was this beautiful place. And, and we get there and Evan has had, uh, my son Evan has, 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 has had a late night. He didn't sleep very well. And, uh, and you know it's one of those days. You know, it's like, how is he going to react? You know, it's like we may have to give him more sugar than we want because he may have a meltdown. Well, we get there. He's fine. Uh, but he wants to just get in the hot tub. He wants to get in the jacuzzi. I'm like, Evan, you can't spend all day in the hot tub. You're four years old. They're going to think I'm a terrible parent if you spend all day in the hot tub. Well, he didn't want to go in the lazy river. He didn't want to go in the normal pool. And he didn't want to go down the slide. But we, being amazing parents, made him do all those things, right? You're going to enjoy it, right? You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. Well, he had a full-on meltdown in the middle of the pool. You know those parents when you look at, like, the kid, like, please just take the kid out of here. You know, we were those parents, right? He was the only child in the whole place who was crying. Everyone else was having fun. He just had this full-on meltdown. And he didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to go in the lazy river. Didn't want to go in the pool. He, he didn't want to go down the slide. And, and, and my, my wife, full of empathy, said, Evan, if you don't stop it, we're going back to the room. And you're going to sit there without your tablets. And, and I'm going to be on a tablet, but you won't, right? I'm like, that's great positive, you know, reinforcement, babe, right? And, and, and she doesn't really have much time, probably because she spends all day with him. She's like, just shut up, right? <laughs> so she keeps saying that, but he keeps crying. And you know how kids are. They're like, but I don't want to cry, you know, and uh, I'll be good. But still tears coming down his eyes. Well, it went on for five minutes, and she's like, right, we're going back to the room. And I'm like, Evan, come with me. And I'm the softy of the relationship. And so I'm like, come on, Evan come over here. He's crying his eyes out. And I sit him down on a pool lounger. And I'm like, just breathe. And you can, you, you, if you've got kids, you've seen it. The kids are like, <gasps> like they're hyperventilated, right? And he was like that for a little bit. And then he's like, oh, I'm okay now. I'm like, no, you're not okay. I'm like, if you don't stop crying, your mother's going to take you back to the room. I don't want that. You don't want that. So I was like, lay down. I was like, just start breathing. And my son doesn't do this very often. He's not a meltdown kind of guy, kid. And so then I just took my hand and I just started stroking his cheek. And you can see him still like, you know, shaking and stuff because he's just totally overwhelmed and totally, you know, out of control. But I start stroking his cheek and just calming him down. And just in a couple of minutes, he was totally calm. I'm like, dad of the year right there, right? And then he's like, I'm okay now. I'm okay. I'm like, no, just lay here for a little bit longer. Because I know if you're going to get up, you're going to start crying again. And so we lay there for about 15 minutes. And then I had to leave because I was going to go play golf. And he had to stay with Raquel. I'm like, you better be on your best behavior with your mother. And he had a greatest time for the rest of the time. He was in that lazy river, I don't know how many times. He loved it. 
but he just needed to calm down. And life can be like that, right? I don't know about you, but I feel life can be like that at times. That There's a succession of events and suddenly you are feeling a lack of air, feeling you're overwhelmed, feeling the anxiety, the fear. Sometimes you're like worried and you don't even know why you, you are worried. And it's like the waters start coming over your head and before you know it, you are totally overwhelmed. And an overwhelmed life is a life that can drown pretty quickly. And this is where those who follow Jesus see Jesus at work. Because this is what he does. He pulls us out of the water. He lays us down and he helps us start breathing the anxiety and the fear and the worries away. Psalm 96, 16 says this, Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubt filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And this is what God does when we are slipping, when we're out of hope. He comes by the side of us. And he soothes us, soothes our worries and our fears. See, he is the God of all comfort. And in this 32-year journey of faith, I have never got to a point where I have spiritually hyperventilated for lack of breath. For every time I start to get overwhelmed, it's like Jesus comes with a brown paper bag. And he's like, Alex, breathe into this. Then he lays me down, rubs his hands over my cheek, and calms my fears and my worries. For whenever I'm overwhelmed, he helps me breathe. And why do I get overwhelmed? Because I want to be in control, but I'm not. And I'm not in control because Jesus is king. And and lastly, very quickly... The last lesson I just want to share with you, like I said, I could be here and I could just share 32 lessons of 32, but that would have been a little like, you know, cheesy. But this is the last one I want to share with you today. I want to look down, so instead I look up. I want to look down, so instead I look up. Now, I want you to be very brave this morning, show of hands. Who is scared of heights this morning? Anyone? Wow, okay, you guys are brave. Right, after this, we're climbing to the roof of the, uh, of the, jumping off, see if you're scared of heights. No, so I am not scared of heights at all. I'm, I'm kind of one of those kind of freaks that I love like heights and I love feeling the, like the butterflies and the nervousness, right? I'll be the one that will go to the edge and like hang right over and give everyone else heart palpitations. But for those of you who are afraid of heights, What is the one thing that everyone says to you when you're going up? Don't look down. Don't look down, right? And what do you do? You look down, right? You look down. And then you get nervous and you freeze, you know. My, my son is scared of heights. I've got my, a mother who is petrified of heights. My, my brother is scared of heights as well. And, and I see them, they just freeze. Like, I can't move, I can't move, I can't go up or down. 
And the reason people say don't look down is because it's right. It's correct. Don't look down. Because if you look down, suddenly you start realizing your fears. Now, when you have no fear of heights, looking down is awesome. You get to like a big peak and a big height and you look down. It's an amazing sight. It's a wonderful sight. The view is incredible. But the same goes for people of faith as well. When we are new in the faith or we have some fears while walking in the faith, so often we look down at the fears around us. Or many people look back to where they've come from. And then it strikes fear within them. And they freeze and they don't know what to do. But those who have matured in their faith, or those who have scaled the mountaintops of faith and the mountaintops of life, they start to realize that looking out and around you and down and behind you is a beautiful view because you see how far you've come from. But so often looking down and looking back can be the death of you. Once you get a grasp of what is ahead and you climb it many times, you can take in the view and you can take in the sights. And this is my story. The more I look down and the more I look back at my past, the more I was paralyzed by it, the more I slipped, the the more I feared, the more I could not move forward. I, 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 even, even 10 years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, there, there was things in my past that I thought God was not blessing me here because of what was in my past. Totally forgetting the whole idea of grace and that God has paid for all my transgressions and sins in the past. Looking back, paralyzed, I can't move forward because of what's gone in in my past. But this is what I know. I want to look down, but I need to look up. So on that same day that Evan had that meltdown, there was this big kid's slide. And we're like, go on, Evan. Go to the top of the slide. Go down the slide. I know he doesn't like heights, but we're trying to like encourage him you know, to be a little bit more adventurous with that kind of stuff. So he runs up to the top of the slide, and he's like seeing all the kids coming down, having a great time. I want to do it. I want to do it. He gets up, and we're at the bottom. We're waiting for him. And we're like, where is he? Where is he? And he comes down. And instead of sitting front ways looking down, he is on his belly with his feet first, like, you know, like trying to climb, like, no. He comes into the water and he swims over and suddenly he is crying his eyes out. I don't want to do that again. And being the good parents, no, go up and do it again. You're like, you're going to like it. So he goes up again. We're like, Evan, just sit on your, sit on your bottom. Don't, don't do anything else. Well, he goes up again, and we're waiting, we're waiting. And again, he comes down, belly first, head, head, head pointed up, upwards, and the feet coming down. And he gets in the water, crying his eyes out again. And I'm like, Evan, you're not doing it right. He goes, I don't want to do it again. I says, look, I'll go up with you and make sure you get it upright. So we go up to the top of the slide, and you know water slides at the beginning. There's a lot of water that comes in. When he goes to sit down, and suddenly he sees the water, and I can see how his mind works. He gets afraid, and suddenly he reaches over to hold on so he doesn't go down, but he can't reach on enough, and he slides right down. 
which is pretty funny, to be honest. But the poor kid crying his eyes out again. I said, Evan, I sat down with him. This is how you do it. Well, the next time he comes down, see, we keep pushing him. He sits on his bottom and he comes down looking forward. And he came into the water and he was like, that was great. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. And we're like, yes, it's a win. And then he goes up again and then he goes back down to the stomach first and then he doesn't want to do it again. But that's such a spiritual lesson for us. Because so often in life, Jesus wants to take us on a wild ride. A wild ride of faith that is so much fun, can be a little scary, give you a little butterflies, but it's so much fun. But this is what happens. We're at the top and we start to go and we get scared and we look behind us and we try to hold on to the past. And by trying to hold on to the past, suddenly the journey of faith isn't fun anymore because we're looking down and we're looking back. But Jesus is saying, no, just sit down, enjoy the ride, look forward, look up, and you will enjoy it. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 to 13 says this. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and will come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who try to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. Then he says this, For I hold you by my right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. And that is what I've learned through these 32 years of living this life of faith. If there's anything I've learned is this, God is right there beside us to help us. See, we're on this spiritual journey like we're walking up a mountaintop. And there are times when it gets scary and it gets fearful. But this is what I know. Jesus is right there holding our hand. And Jesus is saying, don't worry, I've been this way before. I know the way. Just follow me. See, wherever you find yourself on the spiritual journey, whether you're just starting out on this exciting journey of faith and you're full of energy and excitement about what God is going to do, Maybe you are in that place in life where you're walking with pleasure through the easy flatlands and you're like, life is good right now. Or maybe you're hanging like a thread, like Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger, if you remember that movie. And you're hanging off a cliff, not knowing if you're going to make it. Maybe the storm clouds have rolled in. And you've got no sense of direction where you are on the mountain. Or maybe the sky is clear and you can see the mountaintop in all its glory. Or maybe you're at that stage in life where you are about to ascend to the summit. No matter where you are, know this. Jesus is king. He is in control He is there to help you breathe and refresh your soul 
So look up, for he will sustain you. Let me say that again. Jesus is king. He is in control. He is there to help you breathe and refresh your soul. So look up, for he will sustain you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to read one more passage from Scripture, then we're going to pray. The passage is found in Isaiah chapter 46. And I'm going to read from the message version. Because I love how plainly God speaks to his people. And I love how the message version translates it. And this is what it says. Listen to me, family of Jacob. Everyone that's left of the family of Israel. I've been carrying you on my back from the day you were born. And I'll keep on carrying you when you're old. I'll be there bearing you when you're old and gray. I've done it and will keep on doing it, carrying you on my back, saving you. So to whom will you compare me the incomparable. Can you picture me without reducing me? People with a lot of money hire craftsmen to make them gods. The artsman delivers the gods and they kneel and worship it. They carry it around in holy parades and they take it home and put it on a shelf. And there it sits day in and day out, a dependable God, always right where you put it. Say anything you want to it, it never talks back. Of course, It never does anything either. Think about this. Wrap your minds around it. This is serious business, rebels. Take it to heart. Remember your history. Your long and rich history. I am God. The only God you've ever had or ever will have. Incomparable, irreplaceable from the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be all along, letting you in on what is going to happen, assuring you, I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do exactly what I set out to do. So while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I don't know where you are on this journey to the mountaintop today. Whether you're starting out, whether you're full of energy, whether you feel a little winded and you need some more oxygen. Maybe the adrenaline is running because you got to that exciting part of just climbing and you're seeing new things. Maybe the view's amazing. Or maybe the storm clouds have gathered and you have no sense of direction. I want you to know this today. That the King, King Jesus, is there carrying you on his back, saying, I've got this. I will sustain you. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm ready to walk with you for the rest of your life. I'm ready to to help you breathe and refresh your soul. For this journey of faith, is an incredible journey, a magnificent journey. 
And I'll be honest, 32 years later, I'm more excited about this journey today than I've ever been. Because I've understood this, that Jesus is King. He is in control. He is there when life overwhelms. So all I have to do is look up for He will sustain me. So Father God, this morning we just thank You that You are the all-sustaining God. You are the one, Lord, who provides for us. You are the one who cares for us. You are the one who comforts us. God, You are the one who soothes our fears and our anxieties. And Lord, You are the one who carries us when the journey gets too tough. We thank You, Lord, that You are with us. You said You will never leave us or forsake us. You said, fear not, for I am with you. And this morning, God, we thank you that you are with us, that you are leading us by your right hand, your strong right hand. And so this morning, God, we just look up. There are people in this room today, Father, who are looking down or looking back. Help them, God, to lift their chin and lift their head and look up. And see that the God of all hope is with them. The God of all comfort is with them. The God of all provision is with them. The God of all love is with them. The God of all peace is with them. The God of all joy is with them. The God who will sustain them is with them. So Father God, this morning, we thank you that you are with us. That you are working for our good. And Lord, we thank you for one day, the day, Lord, that we get to the summit and we see the incredible view. But until that day, Lord, we pray that you will sustain us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Remember that God is with you. Remember that you are part of the kingdom of God because Jesus is king. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are part of that kingdom.